The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. You must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny. The only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks a touchback is just another way of saying pet. Petting. That's Lenny. I touch his back a lot. Uh, I didn't I didn't execute that perfectly. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got it. You just say it with confidence and then pretend like everyone else is dumb for not getting it. That's Dominique Foxworth, the host of the excellent Dominique Foxworth show podcast. You can get wherever you get your pods. Um, Dominique, it's good to see you, bud. Coming off of probably the worst Monday night game of the year. It's up there. I don't know. There's been some... this one was made worse by the just sadness, yeah. like the parade of injuries starting. Like, you know, like I felt before the game got really bad as far as football is concerned. Just like, damn, island. how could anybody play this game? Crazy. Yeah. Even like there was like a, uh, I forgot who hit Trey Mc- I think it was Kyle Duggar who hit Trey McBride. Maybe it was someone else. Maybe it was Tavani who had an excellent game. But there was one hit I was like, oh, my God, Jesus. Um, okay, so the way I want to talk about this game, because I don't want – obviously, we're not going to spend 20 minutes talking about this game, is I want to talk about both of the teams. I want to do kind of like a post-mortem look forward. on Cardinal season's over, obviously. Um, and, you know, Kyler Murray incurred a, a season-ending injury. I don't think we've gotten an update on it yet, but it's – uh, Josh Weinfuss, who covers the Cardinals for us, reported ACL out for the season, probably going to go into next season. So I want to talk about that. But first, I want to talk about the Patriots, um, who are still in playoff contention. Actually, Dominique, uh, have they're in the driver's seat. I mean, if they win, they can get into the playoffs as the wild card seed because they have the head to head over the Chargers. However, they are playing the Raiders. Fine. And then the, uh, I don't know if this is the right order, but it's the Dolphins the Bengals, and the Bills. Whereas the Chargers, they have the Titans this week, which is a difficult matchup for them uh, for a number of reasons. But then they have the Rams, the Colts, and the Broncos. So both teams have seven wins, but uh, all of the advanced metrics out there favor the Chargers because of their strength of schedule. Let's start there. Do you agree with the the prediction models? Try to separate my heart from my head because my heart is bolt up. Like I I think anybody, if you want to see... Either one of these teams in the playoffs, it's clear that the one you want to see is the one with uh, the Internet's hero, Justin Herbert. We're going to talk about that later, by the way. Yeah, we're going to give that a full accounting in the second half. I, yeah. I was not going to allow us to leave without <laughs> doing that. But um, to be clear, that's what I would want. So I'm glad that the numbers suggest that's true. Also, I think the Patriots defense is like this is a team that Bill Belichick would love is they play they run screen passes like they just so came out many screens it would they ran so many screen passes so that it had many. me thinking about the history of screen passes and i imagine that the first team to come up with the screen pass that was like innovative they're like oh this is hot <laughs> we can drop back and make it like a pass but it's really just another way to run the ball like Bill Belichick was running, and I guess he's not the offensive coordinator, but it does feel like his fingerprints mm. are all over this offense and that he wants to drag this game, any football game, they want to drag into the mud and, and hope that the other team makes a mistake before they do. <laughs> and it's not a fun way to watch or play football. So on one hand, it makes sense that 
there would be a fair amount of screens in this game because the Patriots offensive line for whatever reason is I actually thought they played pretty well in this game. So you know what? Never mind. I actually thought they held up pretty decently in pass pro. However, we do know the Cardinals love to blitz. So it made sense that, you know, they would go to the screens. But the extent of them, the inefficacy of them yes. was, I mean, it's, it's, it's gotten to the point where like when they show Mac Jones freaking out, I'm on his side. Like, I think, I think America is on his side. Like, and it's, it, when he's, he also has a way of dropping F bombs that feels unique. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I, he, yeah. he's, he's slanging that. He, I mean, he ain't, they didn't let him throw much else. So, um, it, but the funny, the, when, I, you know, like their most effective plays were when they would go vertical and send their tight ends up the seams. And he hit Hunter Henry twice, which, you know, the Cardinals play a lot of cover three. So, again, that's a pretty effective play call. Like, he can throw, you know. I, I Obviously, he's regressed some this season. And, you know, this is going to be a, a topic of much debate headed into next season, how the Patriots feel about him, having at one point benched him. Um, you know, was he set up to fail? I... I don't think like I'm I'm not the biggest Max Jones fan in the the world and I think he is not he he appears to be one of those quarterbacks that does not rise above his circumstances but the circumstances suck Dominique Yeah, yeah I would um I feel like this season is making me more of a Max Jones supporter than any other time because like I think last year we had to deal with people overselling how good he was yeah. which like the inevitable response to someone who like like us who watches a lot who watch a lot of football and like kind of know what we're looking for is like cool it <laughs> like let's calm down he's okay but let's not pretend like he's actually better than you pretended he is but then I feel like this uh like um, involuntary emotional reaction to watching these game plans and where I'm like, damn, give a man a chance. Like he threw a couple interceptions. Yeah, that's fine. It sucks. You're going to lose some games here and there. But you, you're like, I don't know. It feels like he's in a beauty competition and they're like making him wear a paper bag and then are upset <laughs> that he can't place. It's like, get him, get a man a dress. Give him some, some shoes. Let him display his talent. Give him a, a banjo. I don't know what they do to display the talent, but they just pushed him out there with no makeup. And and then you're going to be like, well, you can't turn the ball over. We're going to lose. So we're going to punish you by throwing quick outs and screens and running the ball on every first down. It just feels unfair to me. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I'd like to see some sequins that, or something. I mean, I, I was thinking about Love is Blind, which I finally finished. And... Oh. Um, I like, was right. Everyone's trash. Yeah, everybody. It's it really, it really. Nobody came out of that looking good. I, the, even the couple that I thought looking good, then with the post show tea being spilled, didn't come out looking so great. I picture Bill Bill Belichick picking Matt Patricia in the pods, and then <laughs> Matt Patricia. But that doesn't make sense because he knew what Matt Patricia was. Yeah. And that analogy doesn't stand. It was. I I I don't think it's dramatic to say. It is dramatic, but I'm going to say it anyways, that having Matt Patricia slash Joe Judge in whatever capacity run this offense is probably the worst mistake Bill Belichick's made in his entire coaching career. Ooh. 
<laughs> what? It's quite dramatic. But the, 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 I mean, the, it's more that I he's think made it, so many good decisions. You know, it's like yeah, like, and and it, the that's not even the worst Matt Patricia mistake he made. It's like allowing Matt Patricia to coordinate his defense. Uh, that year that they lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl is probably a bigger mistake because that team had a chance. This team does not have a chance. And Mac Patricia is making it worse. I want to say something optimistic about the Patriots, though, which is what's a bummer about— Hold on. Time out, time out, time out, time out. He got a job immediately after. Oh, to be white. All right, go ahead. And he held on to it for, mm. for a minute. <laughs> Lions fans right. got to be watching Detroit just like, yo. <laughs> yo. <laughs> Um, Lions fans who are like so happy drinking their Honolulu blue Kool-Aid, just the world is their oyster this season, whatever happens, happens. They're set up for success. They got that Rams pick. It's a great time to be a Lions fan. I would say it's not a horrible time to be a Patriots fan because as upsetting as the offense has been, I think the defense has wildly outperformed expectations. And when I watch them week to week, um, they do have young talent. Like this is a defense that bas- that turned over yeah. a, he- a fair amount this season. I was not optimistic about this past defense as a result. Um, and they seem to, they they've found good players at every level now. That makes me think that, that what they're doing is sustainable. Like you know Matt Judon's amazing, and you know he's not a spring chicken. But you find and this was a, I thought one of the stories of the night. Josh Uche emerging. Uh, you know, taking over the game at various points, not just, you know, he, they, he was like a designated pass rush for the page mm-hmm. pass rusher for the Patriots before, but now um, he looks like he can become an every down kind of player, a real, real pass rusher. Um, and you guys got, I mentioned to who's been awesome for them at linebacker cornerbacks that they there have. There we go. Get to the good stuff. Well, I thought this would be the best worst cornerback group in the league. Yeah. And I mean, the Jalen Mills is hurt. It doesn't, I mean, obviously that Cardinals offense is not effective, but um, they, you know, when you look at Belichick's last few drafts, he has hit on a lot of young defensive players, Barmore, Duggar, Jack Jones, and Marcus Jones. Like the, the future of the defense, I would argue is bright. The problem is it's hard to feel good about this offense with nobody steering the ship. Throwing. Marcus Jones' screen pass that he took for a touchdown a couple weeks ago had to be like porn to Bill Belichick. Because they combined the things. He had a good end around or whatever. It combines the things that he loves most. It's like low risk offense with defensive backs. It had to just make him so happy. Yeah, he's uh, Marcus Jones is great. Um, Jack is good too. Like this, that is impressive. It's exciting. But um, it's still like their offense is. It's not good, and I don't have, see any. I don't see much reason for optimism. I think um, I was listening to uh, Mike Tannenbaum this morning trying to sell it, and I was like, "Yeah, no, they don't have skill players. They actually don't, and yeah, they don't really protect well. Like, there's nothing to be excited about over there, and the whole like scuttlebutt about Tom Brady potentially going oh, back God. to New England. Like, he's not going to go do that. He don't want to go be a part of that. I don't think that's great for anyone because, with like, Brady, I don't know why. Like, the Bucks are in a good situation, but neither is New England offensively. And then for the Patriots, it's like, you know, Brady's not playing super great right now. Mm-mm. Sorry, I was just I, – I would say LeBron, Ramondre Stevenson has been their most dynamic and fun yeah. skill player. It's an ankle injury. I'm trying to see, I don't see any, like, crazy updates, so hopefully that means uh, – 
he's okay. But yeah, it's, you know, they, 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 all of, as good as the finds that there have been on defense, offensively, just the decisions, the skill players added, the, everyone that the, you know, the trades, trade for Devonta. I mean, it's just hasn't, I mean, Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne are fine players, but they just need more talent. I remember when they, they, they splurged last off season, they got Hunter Henry mm -hmm. and John Lou Smith and Aguilar, and it just hasn't worked out for them. So it's going to be some tough decisions to be made next year, including the quarterback position. Um, so yeah, it's a, that's, that's going to be tricky. They got to get that right. Um, to hopefully not waste the defense. All right. So the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, that's really ACL non-contact injury. Um, especially because that could, will probably take him into next season. So this is an organization that's at a real crossroads. Uh, they extended the GM, Steve Keim and Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> for the season. Everybody, that's one of the ones where like everybody was aghast and everybody was right. Like, like, like that was the world's most predictable bad decision um, Kyler, they're tied to financially for a while. So Dominique, I guess if you're, let's say you're Mike Bidwell, you're the owner of the Cardinals, what would be like, what would be your game plan this off season to try to like, I don't know. I, it changed a lot last night because for me, it had been all around Kyler Murray and finding, which I guess that's, he let Steve Kime build around Kyler Murray with the Cliff Kingsbury hire, which was, I guess, supposedly someone who could um, get the best out of Kyler Murray. That hasn't worked out. But I do think that the one piece in this, and we've talked about this before, the one piece that they have that is harder to replace is that quarterback spot that seemed more certain last year than it does now. So they signed the extended contract. I'm assuming it's probably – three or four years before they could reasonably get out of it. Not that they should want to or do want to, but that has to be the goal is to build around him. And also like, I consider like somewhat of an organizational reset, which seems yeah difficult. I think you can rebuild more quickly than people perceive, but this Steve Kimes, uh, I guess experiment has run its course. And I think the first thing you do is figure out someone else who can have the long-term vision for this organization and get that higher in first and then go from there. So I'm looking at their top cap hits next year. It's DeAndre Hopkins, who uh, would be $23 million in dead cap. So he's not going anywhere. Uh, DJ Humphreys to tackle, Buda Baker, then Kyler, Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz, uh, Rodney oh, Anderson. I forgot about that Marquise Brown situation. Yeah. They traded for him. Uh, and then um, Rodney Hudson, James Conner, J.J. Watt, who you can move on from some of these players, some of these veterans. Um, I guess my feeling is you're, you're, those are Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins are probably going to still be your top two offensive weapons. Um, drafted Trey McBride early. He's been playing more as of late. I think you have to go into next season with a priority to make improvements in the trenches on the offensive and defensive line so that when Kyler Murray does come back, offensively you're in a better position. Defensively, 
there's issues in the secondary too, but that would be, I would yeah. say, the number one thing that they have to do is improve in the trenches. I do still think it's an attractive coaching job. However, maybe that's crazy, but it, you know, I again, obviously, you might not have Kyler at the beginning of the year, but I actually think, okay, like it's an organization that's going to be in a bit of a rebuild. So there's not going to be a ton of pressure on the new coach to win immediately. The expectations will not be high for this team next year. And you do have a quarterback who you know is capable of high play. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think, I don't know, I compare this to a job like the Denver job where you have an elite defense, but you're tied to Russell Wilson. I would rather take the Arizona job, especially if I was an offensive-minded coach, believing that I can turn things around there and that I've got a little, I've got some leeway. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the more attractive things is that division is up in the air. I mean, the the Broncos' job is scary. Like, it's yeah. going to be, yeah, it's going to be scary in that division. Like, you're looking at a wild card normally. So, I, I think that makes the job more attractive. Kyler Murray's injury. I think that there's there's some questions um, floating around about his maturity and selfishness and all that stuff, which was kicked off. I mean, I think there was like whispers about it. But when Patrick Peterson kind of went public with it, then everyone had, like, license to talk about it. So uh, whoever gets in, I think that Kyler, you need to try to sell Kyler on this and use this time, this injury time, as a time to get focused on on growing up (laughs) or whatever it is. Like, uh, because, yeah, you you live and die with how he goes. So, yeah, I, I guess the one thing that I push back is, like, there's so many other questions yeah, there's so many holes. Like you, you started by saying focus on the trenches, but then you name like three other things that they need to address. I guess finding quarterback is the hardest thing, but I'm not even sure that they're certain about that just because they extended him. Like, it it feels like uh, a bit of a scary proposition to go in there and and rebuild it quickly. They are. 12th in cap space right now. That's before clearing some of those contracts. And then it, it it's probably going to be a pretty high draft pick that they've got next year um, because the, the pick that they traded for Marquise Brown was the 2022 pick. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being a top five pick the way things are going in Arizona. I think it might be six right now. Um, so there's going to be, you know, there's ammunition to improve yeah. this roster. I don't think Steve Kime should be the one doing it. I mean, nope. I've been pretty clear or outspoken, I guess, over the last few years. I, I'm not impressed by the job that he's done with this roster, the draft picks, um, the way it's been built, frankly. So that's another thing I think you... Whew, Bidwell, man, that is a lot of money to move on from. But, like, yeah. if, you know, we're, we speak... We, we, we care not for the pockets of the ultra wealthy. Um, What we believe, (laughs) what I think they should do is like, you want to bring in a GM and a head coach in lockstep who are committed to Murray and then committed to the rebuild together. Um, And I mean, you need to commit to them for the rebuild too, is an important thing. I think is like we saw with the lines of the last (laughs) Yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't commit to those guys <laughs> because it wasn't in a rebuild and they gave you no reason to commit to them. But we saw with the Lions' job is they uh, they found their guy and they gave him a six year contract. I think that's important. Uh, which I guess is, you can afford to to cut ties and there's no cap ramifications. But I think there's something to be said 
for showing some level of commitment when you know that you're in a rebuild. Let me ask you this uh, as we wrap. What do you think they will do? Nothing. You, had to. you think they'll Run keep Cliff? I don't think they'll keep Cliff. Um, well, I guess maybe they try to help Cliff find another job so he can offset some of that salary. But <laughs> why, why do you re-sign him? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I can't climb into anybody's brain. Uh, what I think they should do is move on from both of them. I yeah. have no faith that they will or that he will. Yeah. I just think the Cliff-Kyler relationship, both on and off the field, has so clearly run its course. And you can't move on. from. I, I don't think you should move on from the quarterback, frankly, because I just think the potential is there. So, I, you know, you, it shouldn't be too – you and I have talked about this. Looking across the league at how creative offensive play calling has been with dual-threat quarterbacks, it should not be hard to find someone who can get more out of him I, Kyler Murray was such an incredible deep ball thrower, and that's just gone this year. Yeah. You know, like it's, um, yeah. So it should be better. So we'll see. We'll see. That's we, we believe what they should do. It's different from what they will do, but of course we won't know the answer to that for some time. All right, let's come back and talk about some teams that are more relevant. All right, people, we are brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. See, it's not just about the daily promos, odds boosts, or the hundreds of ways to wager. It's about the immortal words of Caesar himself. You bet, you get with Caesar's rewards. Every bet you place on the app, no matter the outcome, earns towards exclusive perks at Caesar's rewards destinations everywhere. Hotel stays, concert tickets, bonuses, and more. Download the Caesars Sportsbook app, become a Caesars Rewards members today, and get more with every wager. Must be 21 years or older to gamble. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Okay, we are back. Winners and woofs. 
I will go first. The winner, it's the Los Angeles Chargers. It's not Justin Herbert. It's not Brandon Staley. It's not uh, the Chargers defense. It's all of it. it the, the whole team was a massive winner this week, beating Miami. There are so many things to talk about here. Um, I want to start with the defense, however, because I know that's something that you're passionate about. I'm sure you have a lot of yeah. opinions about. I'll start with... Uh, the question that is on everyone's mind this week, do you think the Chargers laid down a blueprint to stop the Miami Dolphins? Um, I think they put something out there that was easier to to copy than what the 49ers did. Um, I think that you are part of this uh, Chargers list of things that are big winners where you're going to pretend like you're not a big winner this week. It was like the the game of the internet of the Twitter season was you uh, versus uh, Emmanuel Acho. <laughs> and you got a big win. And then you rub salt in the wound afterwards. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty tremendous, impressive win. For Were you nervous? Because, like, everyone was – it was kind of a big deal. People were very into, like, this – and you came to represent most analysts – I wasn't nervous, but I was preemptively annoyed because if things I, – I didn't think things would go that way, by the way. I didn't think the Chargers de- – I, I thought Herbert would play well because he usually does. But I didn't think the Chargers defense would be able to stop the Miami offense. Um, so that was surprising to me. And I wasn't nervous, but I was like preemptively annoyed by all the bad faith – because – you know, I, I was I figured this would be another round of Herbert versus Tua and making it about the quarterbacks as opposed to, you know, analyzing the game or whatever. So I was preemptively annoyed by the discussion that would ensue. And then you ended a man's career. All right. So I, I think <laughs> I mean, he he threatened to go away and then you was like, see you. All right. So anyway, to your original question, because of it's a tough spot that the that Tua in Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins are in because they have offensive line limitations and they want to get rid of the ball quickly because of those limitations. In this game, we saw uh, some of the issues that the Dolphins had were because Tua was inaccurate at times. But a lot of the issues, I think, were because he wants to get the ball, get rid of the ball quickly. And they were pressing their receivers, which is something I would advise against. Is like, don't get up there and get in Tyreek Hill's space. No, I wouldn't. Oh, still, I still. would have before that game. No, okay. I'm saying I, I oh, would you, not you still advise that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I the saw the way that yeah. they did it. But, I mean, honestly, I still would be nervous about it. It's not something – it's not a fear that goes away. I don't know if it was this year. It might have been last year. But I remember Tyreek Hill had the best numbers um, against press coverage out of anybody because, mm-hmm. as we've talked about before, he's – with, with the exception of height, he has everything you would need is like quickness and speed, and he's strong, and he can attack the ball in the air. And if you miss at the line and you're jammed, then it's a touchdown. So it's still kind of scary. But what I saw happening so many times, the timing being off, and the thing that we celebrate for Tua is also like a drawback, is almost his machine-like precision. Yeah. is like he's ready to go. And when – Everyone else is on that same page. You're like, golly, that's yeah. good. And then if you you take two-tenths off of the receiver's speed and Tua's ready to throw and he's not open, then you see the difference between Tua and Herbert. 
is I noticed that Tua would – he wasn't terrible. Like He wouldn't, like, melt down completely, but he would scramble and maybe run for six yards or throw the ball away. And Herbert, when his – when the play would break down, he'd roll to the right and then throw back across his body a perfect dime to Mike Williams. So, like, that was – that is the difference. Yeah, I think there's a lot in there. The, the, the difference is that second reaction ability. Yeah. Right. And that's why that's why teams are trying to draft for that now. It's not just Herbert, it's across the NFL. You see like the the league quarterbacks tend to have that ability. Um I think when you, the word that you hit there, it machine is kind of the one that keeps coming to mind because the Dolphins like Mike McDaniel like he built a machine essentially mm-hmm. and Tua was the perfect operator of that machine because he has a quick release, he's accurate on his first read. And he had total faith in the offense. I think that that's what was always so impressive to me, or at least I think what, when you watch the, the Dolphins offense, why they clicked was like Tua knew if he made that throw and he like, you know, looked a certain way, the receiver would be there. So what happens when you throw a little sand in the machine and the receiver's not there exactly when you expect it? Um, because yeah, like the Dolphins offense, we're making this more about the Dolphins and Chargers, but they, they, they have more um, vertical RPOs than any team. The, the depth to target on their RPO, this actually dates back to last season as well, is longer. Like they are able to turn those into 10 to 15 yard games plus even sometimes. Um, but however, again, that's so timing based. The ball has to come out so quick. The receiver has to be there. So Brandon Staley saw what D'Amico Ryans also saw, which is if you press those receivers, you're going to lose some. You're going to lose a few. Michael Davis fell down one. Just, you know, by the way, he had a hell of a game. But the disruption of the timing is the most important part to stopping this offense. The difference between the Niners and the Chargers, and I think why we were not pes- we were pessimistic about the Chargers' ability. First, the Niners did press less, uh, but they also played you know mostly their usual quarters you know zone looks. However, Tua was rattled not just by the pressing in the beginning of the game, but also the pressure, the threat of mm-hmm. pressure. Right. I would say in this game he was rattled by the coverage because the Chargers were sticky and they took away the middle in the middle of the field whether it was through leverage with their cornerbacks or dropping their linebackers or their safeties they took away the middle of the field and Tua was rattled by that um so i think to go back to the original question the blueprint that's more replicable than what the niners did which was based on talent yeah. dominique the exactly. niners in that in that game um 61% of Tua's targets were to open receivers and just open 3 yards or more in the Chargers game, it was about a third. Those dudes were not open. So I just want to praise to Staley and then praise to those Chargers defensive backs and linebackers for executing that, man. Because, like, they, Derwin James didn't play in this game. Bryce Callahan didn't play in this game. Aloha Gilman, Michael Davis, Drew Tranquil, Asante Samuel Jr. balled out. So credit to them for, for executing that game plan to perfection against the unstoppable machine that we saw early in this season and that it's they deserve a lot of credit it's not only their execution but like the the confidence uh to to do that <laughs> like i i i don't know it's something that i don't think scared. we talk very yeah I, I, that's what i'm trying to say in a way that still like lets me keep my facade of like football manly man i would have been nervous as like, I got to get up here against this guy and, like, 
and they they weren't doing like a soft press. And this might be getting a little too much into weeds that's not interesting to people, but there are different ways to press. They were pressing in a way that was risky. It was dangerous when you deal with these guys. But I think also it was about understanding the route concepts is we saw um, Tyreek Hill catch one like traditional looking go ball. But when you think about those big plays that Tyreek Hill, yeah, but when you think about those traditional plays that Tyreek Hill, big plays he has, they aren't like traditional go balls. They're these middle-of-the-field plays or cross-field, yeah, deep digs or um, kind of deep overs or uh, those sort of things. And so, like, they they played aggressively inside and were smushing yeah. them down into the morass of the linebackers and the linemen, and then two was up and ready to throw. His line, his line is breaking down because they're not good, and he doesn't know what to do with the ball. I think illegal contact was called corners once. won that game. The corners did win that game. I, you, for once, you are correct about that uh, in giving undue <laughs> undue credit to the corners. No, I mean it was unbelievable. Like, yeah, I think they called illegal contact once, if I remember. Um, you live with that, man. This going forward, you know, the Jets, I think, are certainly capable of executing this. We'll see what the Bills and the Pats do. But you live with those illegal contact calls. You live with those five yards. Uh, because you got to get hands on them at the line of scrimmage and try to disrupt that. Uh, it's it's totally worth. It. You live with falling down once on, yeah. on a go ball. You live with that. Michael Davis yeah. got right back up, man, and said, "All right, keep, gonna keep doing it." <laughs> like yep. yeah, it's, it's 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 awesome. That's a, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting way to go into a game too. It's like it's nothing I've ever experienced, but like as an analyst. Or even as a fan watching games, I think that way. But that's not how you yeah. think when you're in the locker room or that's not how coaches talk. And I, I wonder if that's changed with some of these younger, like more analytically focused just coaches. just about to say that, yeah. I, yeah, I wonder if they're like, look, guys, we're going to give up some Because like, we would have plays sometimes somebody like Randy Moss will make a play. We come to the sideline. The coach would say something to keep your morale up. Like they get, play, they get paid to. That's the closest thing you get to it. But I don't know about coming to a game like, look, and and having the message not only be heard by your cornerbacks, but be heard by your entire team, because I think that's the most uncomfortable thing is walking back to the sideline, feeling like you let people down. So, like, I, yes. I, I don't know that they're doing this, but I imagine a scenario where you're like, look, guys, we're putting a lot of pressure on this player this week. Shit's going to go wrong every now and then. But we trust that more times than not, it's going to pay off for him to do this. So, like, the, when whatever happens, happens, we got his back. That, in some ways, is more impressive from Brandon Staley yeah. than all the fourth. I mean, he's been, yeah. you know, the fourth down stuff's come and gone this year, whatever you think of it. They made two good fourth down decisions, I thought, in this game, which were necessary and one worked out. But um, what you just described, having an aggressive defensive mentality then selling it to the locker room and then having them execute it, that is an impressive coaching performance. And it's also like somewhat antithetical to what got him this job, at least the way that I think of a Brandon Staley defense. Oh, yeah. He hasn't been he hasn't been a coordinator for a long time. <laughs> so yeah, he skyrocketed right to head coach. But like that is that shows like growth and improvement and impressive is like Brandon Staley's strategy before he got this job was let's stay deep, keep him in front of us. They can't execute this all the way down the field. And then he's like, you know what? That ain't going to work this week. Let's do it. Yeah. 
I thought they had a really good game plan against the Niners, too. It like, kind of flew under the radar because they lost. But um, week to week, you know, we're seeing different game plans. And yeah, the, what, this is not the big Fangio <laughs> defense uh, uh, by any means. So shout out the Chargers. Shout out Brandon Staley. Shout out Michael Davis. Uh, and one more the shout rest out. You're missing one. Justin missing Herbert. One final well. shout out. <laughs> nope. One more. Uh, Dominique Foxworth. Sure, I'll take it. I was gonna go Emmanuel Acho, but whatever. Oh no, you know I'm not, I'm not, that's over. Frankly, <laughs> okay, it's over. All right, All right. Uh, we're not even gonna talk about Justin Herbert because the defense was so fun to talk about. Let's let's hear your let's hear your first wolf. Um, good question. Uh, my first wolf. Um, I think it was the Jets. Oh, it was the New York Jets, my first wolf. They went and played the Bills. And it's a weird wolf because I think that you've convinced the listeners that I give fake winners that I really turn into wolves because I want to rag on people. But this is this is kind of walks the line of the opposite is they're so damn good on defense they're so good and they're so good and Garrett Wilson like I, I go back and listen to that speech that his daddy gave him uh before the draft all the time I love him he's an incredible football player and seems like an awesome human being they are like just so interesting and exciting that defense is great but they lost and I walked away from that game thinking Mike White is like he's getting better he's he is getting bad. better yeah, like he's making great plays. He has to string them together. He he can't seem to do that, which is like how you actually end up scoring. It's like he can get a couple good plays and then then something will go wrong. But stringing together a bunch of great plays and incumbent on the offensive line, or it's also important for the offensive line to protect him like they didn't protect him. They were just so bad on offense in this game. So bad with like some glimpses of, Oh, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. But there were some glimpses of, like, damn, good throw, Mike. Garrett can't be covered. And then yards after catch is impressive. Like, there's, like, glimpses of it. And it just feels like you're so, so, so close. And the difference in this game was was smaller, I think, than was the final score. They lost by 11. The difference was much smaller than that. Yeah, yeah. it was much smaller. 12, I, I mean, it's a, it, it's a bummer watching them because – and there's no reason why they would have done this, obviously – if Mike White had started the season, they'd be in the playoffs. I feel confident yeah. saying. And that's not, I'm, I'm not like saying he's the quarterback of the future and they need to get him under contract or whatever. Right. But he he is much better than Zach Wilson. And yeah. the other thing is, like, I, I think I tweeted about this. He's clearly better than last year. Because this, this was a good referendum yeah. game because they obviously melted down horribly against the Bills last year, the four picks. In this game, like, you know, there's not quite a consistency there. Um, but there's improvement. And you don't usually... Yeah. Later round draft picks don't usually get that opportunity to improve the way first rounders do, but it's an undeniable trajectory where he has improved. He made some crazy the throw where he got turned into a Pac-Man man. Oh my god. That gosh. ball was gorgeous. Gorgeous. Like he, he Well, he, yeah. He got he got tur- he got turned into a Pac-Man man on a couple of throws, but I know which one you're talking yeah. about. There was one where somebody dove through his midsection that he completed the pass, and it was imp- yeah. yeah, yeah, just like that. It was it was bad. They was folding that man up. <laughs> he was that taking was some rough. shots. I yeah, was thinking like, double, yeah. like you need to stop doing that because they're gonna make it so you can't hit quarterbacks in the midsection too. Like they're in their um, never-ending journey to like defend quarterbacks at every. In every, in every way, like, 
The way they were diving through that man was was was, wild. That was violent. Um, Yeah, and it is, I guess, as a Jets fan, like, I don't know. You do feel good, though, because the team is so good. And, you know, next year, we'll we'll see what happens at quarterback. This is a team that is, like, we're, you know... The Broncos were a quarterback away. They were a quarterback away. They just got the wrong quarterback. The defense is amazing. Yeah. I think the Jets are in the exact same position that the Broncos were in last year. So there's a lot of pressure on this organization to make the right choice, whether it's through the draft or free agency or a trade. There's going to be many options. This is the most attractive destination for a quarterback. Like the, yeah, This team's I mean, ready. I think Robert Sala. Salah's gotten better. Yeah, we yeah. don't talk about like improvement in yes. coaching that much, but like he's he's gotten better and smarter and the way he's been managing this team this season, I think I mean, I don't know who's behind the uh Zach Wilson starting this season and starting for as long as he has started and them leaning in on that, but that is the biggest era of the season for this team other than that, I think like they've been close to flawless. Even Salah, though, moving on from Wilson when he did was pretty bold in, compared to most coaches and how they typically treat first-round quarterbacks. Mm, I don't know. If you don't, yeah. Eh. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm giving him the benefit felt, it, not, yeah, yeah. of, like, past conservatism, which I guess. Yeah, but it felt like maybe it's because of the New Yorkness of it, but it felt like what was happening. Because that was the same week that he did that quote the about quote, yeah. not taking responsibility. Yeah. Like, it felt like... It would have been brave. It would have been dumb brave, but it would have been braver to keep him in there. Like, it felt like nobody That's in true. the entire city, yeah, yeah in, in particular that locker room, wanted to see him under center anymore. That's fair. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Um, Okay, my Woof is another team that's going to have an interesting quarterback decision, Uh, but I'm not going to really talk about that. It's the Seattle Seahawks who were in pole position to get into the playoffs and then blew it 
against the Carolina Panthers. Now they have very difficult. They play the Jets, the Chiefs, uh, some difficult matchups. The Niners this week. It's not great. Um, so the, the the woof is though like they, they they lost the game the way they've been losing games, which is their run defense, which I like. It is more dispiriting. I, I got to think for players, it's more dispiriting. You can comment on this from the outside watching a team just routinely give up six, seven, eight that yards of carry to the point where the offense there on in the other side doesn't even have to pass. Yeah. Is probably the most dispiriting experience in football. It, anytime you don't have answers for something, it feels <laughs> dispiriting. They're playing their goal line defense at one point, just trying to stop it. It was so bad. Since week 10, and, they have the worst EPA per carry or, you know, versus the run in the NFL. And you know about football's, like, militaristic and like hyper masculine general culture they're still in our manhood yeah when you you get run on yeah that that has to feel terrible because you're like look we gonna do this you're not gonna do nothing about it like we're just gonna come in your house and open your fridge and take your food and then walk out and you can't stop us. And we're not even going to take the whole fridge. We're just going to do it seven yards at a time. Just walk in and out and take a bite, put that thing back down and leave and come back and do it again. It feels very disrespectful. Like, this is my house, damn it. Stay out. I'm going to play goal line defense. Oh, you're still doing it? Like, yeah, that feels <laughs> feels a little bit worse than, like, someone, like, dropping a bomb on your house, which is, like, a deep pass. Like, yeah, just do it. Let's Let's get this over with quickly. <laughs> well, then you can. I think with also with a deep pass, you can like blame. You can say, "Oh, well, this yeah. corner or whatever." Yeah. With the run defense, like yeah. the, the casual fan, when you're watching, it's usually hard to blame one person. I went back and I, I. This is how you know I'm committed to my craft. I went back and watched all of Carolina's runs on Seattle, which was probably the most unpleasant thing I have done this year. And I watched Cardinals Patriots on Monday. Um, and there's not one person to blame. The defensive line just gets pushed around. They're missing Shelby Harris and Al Woods, who are probably their best defensive tackles. It showed. Granted, they had them in some of these other games. Um, and then behind them, Jordan Brooks, who's been who was good last year and has been good at points this year, was just taking the wrong angles. It felt like on every run, a lot of it was gap runs. They were just getting pushed around. There was one. I think on the final drive. Uh, the Card- the Panthers just ran counter over and over and over. I don't think the Seahawks got a stop on a single counter run in this game. Um, so it's a huge problem. It it they, the, the Seahawks run a three four. It makes you wonder if they have the personnel for a three four. If they're uh, if they've got the the size for it, and then it raises the interesting question. I didn't. I said I wasn't going to talk about this of next season, which is the Seahawks are probably going to have a top three draft pick from Denver. Do you take quarterback, or do you take Jalen Carter, who I have had photoshopped <laughs> into a Wolf Gray jersey and it looks great, or do you trade down because your defense is so bad you need a lot of picks? It's a, it's a really really difficult question, Dominique. And I don't know the answer right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's too early for us to, like, have strong feelings about that. Like, we haven't gotten – I can speak for myself. I know you are a maniac. No, um, I haven't watched the quarterbacks yeah, enough to have a strong yeah, feeling. Yeah, so I don't have – yeah, I haven't watched the quarterbacks enough to have a strong feeling about them. I think the 
the big injury concern. Well, I, I mean, Bryce Young won't be there, presumably, as, as it stands now. He won't be there. Uh, well, I mean, he's yeah. been – yeah, this is why we can't have this conversation. Yeah, we can. And all this stuff is going to change. Too, of course. Yeah, all this stuff is going to change. And I, I don't know. I think the – Geno's shown an, enough – that it feels disrespectful to draft a quarterback over him, but we aren't in the business of respect, <laughs> in the business of like setting your te- team up for success. I generally, as a matter of like general principle, don't believe in first round quarterbacks, like well, as a way to build, yeah, as a way to the build last your few organization. Years had yeah, a lot of like, teams, yeah. We like trick ourselves, and we do it every year. Yeah, and and we we knowingly do it. Like, oh, this guy, if this, then that. So you can't pass him up. Trade that damn pick and stockpile, and you can find a good quarterback middle of the second round, or excuse me, middle of the first round, end of the first round, beginning of the second round. I I feel like unless there's on occasion somebody a LeBron comes through that you're like, yeah. If we got Trevor Lawrence right here, we can't pass him up, you know? But most of the time, what we see happen in football is quarterbacks are put in good situations, and it doesn't matter how high they are drafted. Those are quarterbacks that succeed. Seattle's a good situation, though, yeah, for a young quarterback. Uh, so it's it's tricky. I, I, don't, I, don't have, I haven't figured this out. I think if Seattle didn't have uh, the Denver pick, this would be easy. You stick with Geno. Um, yeah. I think he's played well. However, that pick, those options, the potential to get a guy on a rookie contract makes it a little bit trickier. But I'm, I don't have an opinion now because yeah. I haven't watched the quarterbacks enough, and ultimately it is going to come down to do you believe one of them is truly special? Yeah. Neither of us know right now. All right, yeah. let's wrap with your winner. Um, who did I say for my winner? Hold on, give me a second. I'll figure it out. Lions! That's who I said. Arr. I love them. They're so fun and they're so like cute. And they gotta be. It's not fair we call them cute anymore. I feel like they have passed the underdog status. No, no, getting no, close no, 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 no. When you no? seal the game, throwing to your offensive lineman, you're it's cute. Still cute. That's <laughs> okay, a cute okay. thing to do. That is adorable. That so cute. And adorable. the their offense has been good for a while. Their defense has been much better yes, uh, as of late. Yeah, and I like to see that improvement. It's something that you don't see very often. And I, a couple teams I watched pretty closely this week, and one of those teams was the Vikings. I went back and re- rewatched their defense, and that may be skewing my perception on everybody else's defense because, oh. man, Did are you see they my tough rant? to watch. Did you see uh, me, my rant on, on NFL Live yesterday? You ranted about the Vikings? I ranted about the Vikings' defense, yeah. My God. I don't know what you said. I don't want to ruin it, but did you talk about how the safeties have terrible eyes and how the linebackers don't get enough depth in zone and how the Patrick line, Peterson is line. crazy aggressive and how Dantzler runs a 4-6 and can't run with anybody. Like, it's rough. The, I wasn't sure if this – I came with this analogy in the moment. Sometimes I come up with it beforehand. Spoiler. Yeah. Or, I guess, opening the – but this one I came up with in the moment. I don't know if it worked necessarily, but I said that the Vikings defense reminds me of me – during the holidays because they sat back and watched other people cook. And that is how I, I actually, feel watching them. I saw that. I guess, I don't know how I missed the rant, but I saw that. It's a whole rant. It's a, you know, the gist of it is that they play a ton of off coverage and they allow 9.23 yards per attempt when they do so. And it's freaking, dude, the touchdown, the touchdown to um, Josh Reynolds. 
Jared Goff will never throw an easier touchdown in his life. I mean, it was. In, I mean, I, it's 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 horrible. It's horrible. But the the Lions' was, offense, we knew was we knew the Lions' offense was good. Yeah. They're also getting guys back though. Chark's yeah, healthy Jameson. now. Jameson Williams is getting in the mix. We know, all know how good Amon Ross St. Brown is. Um, it's it's it, the play caller is good. Ben Johnson is it's a good offense. But the defense was the thing holding this team back. Um, do you, let me ask you this. Do you feel like the defense look, I mean, sometimes Justin Jefferson is just going to cook you. It's, it kind of is what it is. Um, casually splitting double teams yet again in this game. Do you think that they're like, let's say the lions. So they have six wins now. I think they probably have to win like three of their final four games. Totally possible to get into playoffs. Do you think this defense is good enough to support this offense? Like, I mean, I guess it depends on, like, <laughs> what your expectations are for this team. So, I don't think anybody thinks Super Bowl run. Could they win a first-round playoff game in the NFC as it is currently constructed? Maybe, depending on who they match up against. I guess if they see the Cowboys or the 49 excuse me, the Cowboys or uh, the Eagles, and I guess maybe even the 49ers because that defense is so good, I'd see it as unlikely if yeah, and they'll they'll never end up against the Bucks. So I guess probably winning a super or winning a playoff game is a stretch because I think Jared Goff is has been good, but last six weeks his numbers are outstanding. He had ten touchdowns, yeah. one interception, uh, a great QBR. But I noticed that his uh, his completions over expected is negative. Like is and that like suggests to me that he is he's playing running this. Yeah, he's like running this machine well to go yeah. back. And Jared Goff is another quarterback who has run machines well, but yeah. is not going to elevate you. So presumably they'll go in the playoffs, they'll play a, play a good defense that will take things away, and you're going to ask him to make plays. And your defense is not good enough, even though they've gotten much better, which is so hard to do as a, as a defense in the course of a season. It's so impossible to do. That's some really great coaching to be able to pull that all together in the course of a season. Yeah, Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, really turned stuff around. And it's like players Impressive. that I didn't know before this season, rookies, mm -hmm. got guys like James Houston making plays. Um, Kuda's playing better. Kuda's playing better. Um, yeah, it's, I think, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, they're better. They need more talent. They're going to be in a, by the way, they also have an interesting a bunch of interesting draft decisions to make. I, I, I think that this right now, like some debate over whether or not they should just ride it out with Goff next year. This is the team where I, I I'd like to see a different quarterback, frankly, because like Seattle, it's a fantastic situation, but I think Geno Smith is better than Jared Goff. Generally. Yeah. And um, yeah. I don't so. think you get any pushback. They'll have the number four pick if, if the draft happened today because of the Rams pick. Yeah. And yeah. What a great I mean, time to be a Lions fan. It is. It's, it's been a long time where it hasn't been a great time, but right now it's a good time. All right, Dominique, always a great time recording with you. Check out the Dominique Foxworth show wherever you get your podcasts and I will see you next week.